Boyd's Noise, the best source for prep information in the region. Are you ready for Boyd's Noise? Bring the noise! Welcome in, everyone. You know what it is. It's Iron Skillet Radio and Television's presentation of Boyd's Noise here on The Sizzle with Boyd's Noise. You know what we do. You know what we've come to give you the best information around. So listen, man, let's throw it right out there. Let's get to it. Let's talk about it because we've got a lot to get in. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Like I tell you all every week, living the dream. Just really excited to, you know, get out there for postseason football. Can't believe we're here, but we are and the show goes on. Yes, it does. It just start. It seems like it's just starting, but it seems like now nah, it's just wrapping up. I don't know. I don't know, Jay. It seems like it's it's so much moving, man. I don't know what's going on right now. Well, I don't think anybody knows what's going on right now. I think they're just making it up as they go. <laughs> it sounds good to you, Joe. Yeah, it sounds good to me. All right, let's do that. <laughs> You're right about that. So, look, James, we're getting right into the season as everything is wrapping up. So, in Chicago, right, it cancels the rest of their games due to COVID testing and some things that are going on, uh, Crown Point, Highland. They're all trying to get back on track. But let's talk about some season finales and what's going on. How did everything come to be at East Chicago where everything's being wrapped up? Yeah, so the, the first thing I'll start off with is um, I woke up, you know, to a text, uh, you know, just checking my phone. It was from my editor, and the uh, West Side football coach tweeted out that they wouldn't be playing um, this Friday against EC Central because someone in EC Central's program tested positive. So I reached out to their AD, Monica Maxwell, spoke to her, and she confirmed it. And um, basically, they played five games this year. Um, they were they were only five. Uh, didn't have a really good year, but. A lot of that was also due to them starting late. They didn't even start playing until week four. And now they're the first region team, like I told you all in the past, mm-hmm. that has had this COVID-19 run-in, you know, right before the playoffs or during the playoffs, rather. So, um, like the guys say, I say, has said all year, you know, if you have a COVID-19 interruption during um, the season uh, or during the postseason, your season is over. So, they had to cancel their game Friday against the West Side. Um, so, West Side automatically advances. They're going to play the winner of Gavitt and um, Holbert. Um, so that's basically it. I mean, you know, you got a team that, that moves on with the bye week and then one team is just done for the year. But it just kind of goes to show that this is only the beginning of what could be a very bumpy ride for the postseason. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> a lot of how they're going to maneuver around it. Even though we've talked about it several times, it still seems uh, – it, it's all kind of sketchy because every it, it just takes one positive test or a couple, and now your whole season is done and everything seems to be coming to an end. So let's talk about Crown Point, Highland, and North Newton. What's going on with them specifically? Yeah, so I did a quick story on them yesterday, um, Monday, what that was, just to uh, update everyone on what was going on with them because all through – hey, do you have enough time to come back and play for the postseason? Mm-hmm. Um, the one good thing for Crown Point is that they're a 6A program, so they're not playing this Friday. Um, regardless, they're going to play next Friday when the 5A and 6A program start up. So they get that extra week to get healthy and really get some more practicing in. And then for Highland and North Newton, um, Highland actually stopped all their football activities last Wednesday 
because of COVID-19, they started back up this Monday. Um, so they will have a chance to play in their postseason um, opener Friday against Griffith. And then the same thing with North Newton. They canceled their season, a regular season finale, but they are uh, going to be able to play this Friday. I couldn't get that extra week to prepare. But, I mean, according to both schools, um, athletic directors and coaches, they will be on the field this Friday after missing last Friday's games. Um, it's a quick turnaround. So one thing I will say is that the Highland AD told me that their program is still um, shorthanded with a lot of kids out due to contact tracing. So he said they'll have enough players to take the field, but who those, who those players are, if they'll be some of the best players out or if they're going to be at full strength as far as having their, their top kids, I don't know. It remains to be seen. So, again, you're going to see a lot of this stuff kind of happen. We've seen it happen already with um, some volleyball teams in the region, like Lake Central. Um, they had a, an outbreak, I guess, within their varsity team, so they have to put their JV team out there and, and basically the cost in their keys. You know, James. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. You know, James, it, it seems to me now it's going to be a situation of last man standing, but these aren't men. These, yeah. these are young boys uh, and, and young men. Is this a situation now, and I'm looking at it from my standpoint, my viewpoint, I just wanted to get your, your ideas on it. Is this a season that come hell or high water, we're going to just have a season, or is this something we need to look at now? You're having all these kids not being able to play because of COVID tracing. Now you're putting JV players out against varsity players, and anybody knows that age group, you got 17, 18, 19-year-olds playing against 14 and 15-year-olds. There could be a big problem there. I mean, you could have some kids actually get injured playing like that who are not ready to play at that varsity level. Is there something – are we looking at a situation that maybe the IHSAA needs to look at this and possibly maybe because of the COVID, spread of COVID, we might need to shut this down going into the postseason? Or are they just going to let it play and let, let the chips fall where, where they may? Yeah, I think we've uh, come too far to turn back at this point. I think they're going to yeah. go full steam ahead with the basically, like you said, the survival of the fittest. Um, one thing I will point out is that with volleyball and, and some of the other sports, uh, unlike football, there's not as much contact, so you can play some of those JV players and, and maybe the outcome isn't what you want it to be, but they're not going to necessarily, necessarily be in danger. But I do agree with you in the point with football, I don't think that you should put anyone out there, you know, that's a 14-year-old against some of these 17-, 18-year-old you know, kids that are going to be playing at the high level and, you know, have a chance to lift weights and body, you know, development, things like that. So, I do think if teams run into that where they have enough JV players to play, they probably still won't just because, like you said, you don't want to um, compound an already bad situation with putting a team out there that could possibly be hurt and, you know, make something worse. So, But I, but I think, you know, uh, not really what I think. What I know is that the IHSAA uh, from the get-go has basically gone with the survival of the fittest mentality. And at this point, it's, uh, you know, we're all in. So it's too far to turn back. One thing uh, I said, like, last week to keep an eye on is the COVID-19 cases in Indiana. I mean, frankly speaking, they're, they're banning travel from uh, Northwest Indiana to Chicago and vice versa. So I told my grandma, you know, say to Chicago, I won't be coming by to, to see you anymore. Um, I don't think I would ever be stopped or I would get any trouble for going by her house. But I do want to buy by the law. And number two, I don't want to, you know, risk bringing anything back to her house and, and affecting her and my other family members because – I do come in contact with so many kids on a weekly basis for practices and games and stuff like that. But um, so one thing to keep in mind is if this really gets crazy, are there going to be enough teams left to, to, to you know, 
Battery yeah. State Championship. Yeah, it's so many things that are going on. I don't know who's going to to last. As Jay has said, it seems like a battle of attrition. But since we're talking about the kids and what's happened, let's head over to the rap. Are you ready for Boyd's Noise? So, James, let's talk about Week 8. And looking back on Week 8, what happened? What stood out to you as we review the week it, that was as we move forward into Week 9? Yeah, so a couple of things is that, you know, a couple of um, conference championships were, were given out. Merrillville won the DAC, um, and then Andrean won the NCC. And then the GSSC was a little different, I believe, that they went out winning percentage, so they had a couple people get the, the championship, even though some teams played more games. Um, what I liked about what the DAC did is that they, I think it was the most fair way to do it. They basically said, if you played more DAC teams, DAC games than anybody else, um, you know, you have a chance to win that title. So what that means in, in relation to Maryville and Valparaiso is that since Maryville played more DAC games than Valparaiso, although both teams are undefeated, Maryville gets the title. Um, I think that's fair. Um, people can say, you know, oh, how could you do that? But, I mean, just like you said, the survival of the fittest, you kind of want to try to give the team that played the most uh, an opportunity to win a title. So, um, you know, Maryville – they took down uh, uh, Chesterton 34 to 10. And then we had um, Andrea beat Lowell 35 to 14. I know everyone was kind of freaking out with Lowell. Um, unofficially, they were undefeated. I know they had the forfeits against because of an ineligible player. But they had yet to be beat on the field until Andrea beat them this past Friday. Um, Kelly Met won 76 to 8 over Bishop Knowles. That was a square that jumped out to me. Um, Hammond beat Clark 40 to 18. That's Hammond's last regular season school, a regular season victory in school history. Wow. Uh, there's some other scores here. Um, Morton went undefeated in the Hammond School District, 44 to 18, or 44 to 14 over Gavitt. Um, Portage people apart in overtime, 34 to 28. Um, but the biggest thing I want you all to kind of keep an eye on, and what I'll probably keep an eye on as well, is that Paris Hewlett, who transferred from Morton to Maryville, the quarterback, he looked like a stud this past Friday against Chesterton. Um, I know everyone knows who JoJo Johnson is. He's a great player, um, and he was basically like JoJo Johnson 2.0. He um, threw a touchdown pass. He caught a touchdown pass, almost ran a touchdown pass in from like 60 yards out. I mean, not a touchdown pass, almost ran one in, rushing touchdown in from 60 yards out. He is a Swiss Army Knight that I did not know Maribel even had. I did not know he was as good of an athlete coming over. I knew he was very good as a quarterback, but they moved him all over the field, and he was effective. And if they can do that, I think that they are in contention for a state championship. Like, that's how good he looked, and that's how dynamic their offense looked with him. And you got to remember they have Dodo Johnson, um, Tank Logan, their running back, who has like 17 rushing touchdowns, um, Angel Nelson, their other quarterback, and they also have Mark Starty Jr., their wide receiver. So they're loaded. And if Paris Hewlett can make things, you know, even more dynamic by being that Swiss Army knife, I mean, Maryville just got, you know, the rich got richer. Yeah, it just seems like it keeps happening. And it seems like they have 45 quarterbacks and about 25 running backs. It just – it never stops with Maryville. <laughs> <laughs> they got more players than the Chicago Bears. But let's move right along and talk about who are the athletes of the week. Bring the noise! So, James, let's talk about it. Who are your athletes of the week, those outstanding players on and off the field? So, my first um, athlete of the week, uh, like I just mentioned, is Paris Hewlett from uh, Merrillville. And I give my hats off to that young man just because 
you know, unlike the other two kids who transferred over from um, Morton to Merrillville, uh, which was Marcus Hardy Jr. and Philip Dunn, the offensive lineman, those guys can kind of just come in and fit, you know, in because there's more than one offensive lineman, more than one wide receiver on the field at one time. But for Paris Hewlett, who was a starting quarterback last year at Morton, for most of the year, um, he comes over as the QB and it kind of take a back seat to Angel Nelson. So he wasn't able to basically come in and start like the other guy. But he still found a way to be effective. Um, like I said, they moved him around. He's used his athleticism in a variety of ways, especially last week. So hats off to that young man for scoring two touchdowns um, in his first game where he really was the focal point of the team's offense. And I think that that bodes well for his future and the future of the team as we get ready for the postseason. And then on the girls' side, I tip my cap to Abby Chesty, who is um, the junior defender for Crown Point. Um, she actually accidentally scored an own goal for Crown Point in their loss to Chesterton last week. Um, they lost in overtime in the regional semifinal 3-2. But after the own goal at the fourth minute of the game, she came back and assisted the other two goals um, to send it to overtime. So she a way um, to come back. A lot of backbone. Yeah, a lot of backbone and a lot of wherewithal to stick yeah. with it and give her team a chance to clean their season. Uh-oh. Run, James, run. I'm sorry if I had a red light. I'm all good. I'm following the laws, but yes, yes. I'm not running from the line with following the laws, but like I said, Abby Chelsea deserves a pat on the back because a lot of people might fall you know, after making a mistake like that, but she came back and, and gave her team a chance to win, which is, which is all you can ask for. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a lot of backbone for that young lady. There's no doubt about that, and especially to come back, especially after making a faux pas like that. And, 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 yeah. and uh, you know, that, that, that to me, I, I remember – I was playing tournament baseball when I was like six, six, 17, 16, 17 years old. And we were playing for the region. And I played first base. And I had two balls go right through the wickets. They hit oh, it right man. down the Back to back, though. Back to back ground balls right through the wickets. Yeah. <laughs> and I stood there looking at the balls rolling <laughs> out in the right field. And, you know, you got people all up there, you know. Few hundred people out there, you're playing, playing travel per, uh, tournament baseball, and uh, and I did not do like that young lady. I struck out next time up at bat. Kudos to her. <laughs> well, what we have learned very quickly is the moral to that story is never let your balls go through the wicket and yeah. never <laughs> <laughs> know how to come back and do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about it, James. We I know you got to get out of here, and I know you're getting ready to go. But you know what we've got to talk about. It's always James' final thoughts on what's going on in the world around him. So this is Boyd's Noise. Final thoughts. Bring the noise. Yeah. So um, I had a chance to finally write my column. Did you all check it out? Did you got a chance to uh, read it and, and see it after I guess uh, teasing it for so many weeks. Oh my oh, goodness, yeah. man! It's I have reposted and posted. I have had more <laughs> Facebook discussions about your post than any post I put on. And now it's making me feel bad because I, I feel some kind of way that nobody even looks at what I write. They don't. But when James wrote it, they were like, ooh, let's talk about this. Ooh, he was spilling the tea. I said, he wasn't. He, yeah, he did. But okay, fine. So, yeah, your post was amazing. Now. Go for it. Just do your post thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to check in with you all and get your 
feel for it. Like I said, I try to keep it real with everything I do. And um, basically, for those of you who ever read the, the column yet, I, I encourage you to do so. And for me, it was basically just um, opening, my, opening up my heart first and foremost and kind of sharing parts of myself and the way that I kind of comprehended what happened with Breonna Taylor. And um, yeah. more of the, the whole column is that um, I really paid attention to the WNBA, the NBA, and what athletes were saying in regards to her death and then the subsequent decision not to charge any of the white police officers with um, any charges that was her death. It broke my heart. It made me angry. Um, the first draft of this, uh, this piece was not a very nice one. And um, I had to really, you know, get past the anger to really get to what I wanted to say and say it in a way where I could, um, you know, it could be retold anywhere. And, you know, basically I could stand on it and say, this is what happened. This is what I believe in, and do it with dignity. And the one thing I want everybody to say, want everybody to know is, Lexi Brown, the Minnesota Lynx guard, she tweeted out a picture of herself wearing her jersey with Brown Taylor name on it uh, after the grand jury decision came out. Yeah. She said, um, you know, we're still going hard for you. You deserve so much better. And I kind of stuck with that throughout the entire column that Brown Taylor deserves so much better. Black women deserve so much better. Um, I talked about my mom and how we have our nightly routine of watching HGTV together. Um, I watched Love and Love and Listen last night with her, actually, um, after that, you know, just, just to clear my mind. But um, every night when, they, when my mom goes to bed, my parents are asleep, my sister's asleep. I kinda, I'm kind of just up thinking about a lot of stuff and, and how to make the world a better place, honestly. I know it sounds cliche, but I think a lot about my past and my journey and, you know, trying to maximize my potential and stuff like that because you never know how much time you have here. Um, and painfully, uh, I'm painfully aware that because of Breonna Taylor, the case is like that. So I wanted to speak up for black women um, and tell a bunch of folks that have disrespected that young woman that they are wrong. Um, she doesn't have better. I don't care what facts you look at. If you look at the facts of the, of the case, there is no way you can tell me that was justice. And then even the actions taken after her death and after her shooting, you cannot tell me that was justice either. I mean, the things that the police did... Um, was just inhumane, and the, the rhetoric around her is inhumane as well. So for those out there who are racist, who have sent me emails, told me I'm wrong, and told me that George Floyd also deserves to die, things of that nature, um, that's all sounding cool, but I promise you I will never, ever, ever get tired of making racists mad because I don't want racists to ever feel comfortable. I don't want them to feel like they're right ever. So um, that was my piece, and some people are upset that I had the platform to, to speak on it. But, hey, man, I went to school, earned my degree, put the time in, and I let uh, love lead, lead the way in everything that I do. So as much as folks try to, um, you know, bait me or tell me that I'm racist or tell me that I'm defensive, I know every story I write, I put my heart into it. And the thing about me, and I know people in my family, like my dad, my grandma, um, you know, they stand on their beliefs. So I try to, you know, do the same thing in my work. So all the folks out who said that they're real, they're honest, like, yeah, that all sounds good. Are you really? Well, I feel like anybody who knows me who I've encountered can speak to my character. And even if they can't, I know what I stand for. So uh, with that column, I just try to share my heart and speak up for the black queens out there, um, God's greatest creation, and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But like I said, for as long as I'm breathing, I will never let injustice just, you know, happen around me without me saying nothing. So I know some folks are not used to having a black reporter in the region um, who's in their newspaper, who's 
speaking on these things, but um, you got one now, so get used to it. <laughs> um, there are some there are some out there who say that uh, how quickly the government came with that twelve million dollar settlement that yeah. that they came that they're they're sort of admitting um, a wrongdoing but not a crime. And, and, and yeah. could you address that a little? Because a lot of people, I've talked to a number of people, and they say, well, did, you know, her family did get $12 million, and, and I quickly was saying, well, that doesn't bring her back. And can, can, you, can right. you address no. that for some people? I completely agree. And another thing I want to point out is that I don't really listen to folks who don't read anything, who don't keep up with anything in the world, who don't read things. If you don't read, I, I really can't have a conversation with you about these topics because I feel like you haven't done yourself um, the, the, or giving yourself the time to really process what's going on. Like before my opinion on anything that my research I put into this article was very heavy. Like I read a lot of articles. I watched a lot of um, interviews. I watched interviews about her boyfriend and what he saw. And, and I read, you know, uh, different things from the attorney general and all types of stuff to basically cultivate my own, you know, thought process. And then to your point, what folks say, oh, the one and twelve million dollars out of this, you know, be wrong, and, 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 or how could they still be trying to fight? That's not a trade. It's not a $12 million trade for you to be quiet. No, $12 million is the least you can do, and like you said, it's not going to bring her back. So I think it was an admission of guilt, but like we've seen before, they don't want to come out and press uh, these officers with police and, and criminal charges because, like, to me, the system is racist. It's not broken, it's racist. So we need a whole new system, but... To me, you know, people can say all they want to. Oh, we got a new law where you can't have no knock warrant served in Louisville. It's actually called Brianna's Law. Um, so, yes, that's good. Yes, $12 million is, is a step, but it's not justice. I, I don't think anybody should ever kill somebody and then you just say, oh, my bad, and give them $12 million. Like, that's that's not it at all. Um, so, I don't know what will come of this case. I, I don't know if it's at the end. I don't even know um, legally if anything else can be done, but to me, when folks say that, it irritates me because I guarantee you if her, if her parents, if her loved ones, if her boyfriend could give that $12 million back to have her back, they would do it in a heartbeat. So I don't think people can kind of um, equate and try to say that a black life is worth $12 million because life is always worth more than money, more than all this other stuff because you, know, you can print more money. You can make more money, but you can't make another life. So. That uh, that that hurt me, man. Like it's it's crazy to see it, cause it, in a way it's like a slap in the face. I'm glad her family got it, cause it will change their lives um, from a from, from a financial standpoint. But from that day to day pain, man, uh, I don't know what that feels like to lose a child. Like you know, Miss Palmer, um, her, her mother. I, I don't know what that feels like. So I just want to um, send my love to them and um, let people know that twelve million dollars did not equate you know, at all. Yeah, it's something when you look at what the state has done, it's almost as if they've accepted an Alfred plea and said, here, here's the 12 million. Let's just kind of keep it moving. And my thought is if it, they offered 12 million, they probably knew that it's probably worth 24 to 48 million. But that's just something, that's a discussion for another day. I have to commend you for being able to take the hits that have been coming, the threats, for standing up and telling the truth. And hopefully young people, when they read your articles, families, when they get to see and hear your voice, they'll understand the commitment that you have to your craft and the commitment that you have to the African-American community. So you have to be commended, man. And I'm, I'm sure this is something we're going to continuously talk about 
we're going to spread this information. You're going to have it. We're going to post it, repost it. You know, it's going to be, it's, this is not going to go away. So for those of you who think that this is going to quietly just move away, it will not. This is a topic that oh, we will no. have. Oh, no. Every day I wake up, I, I just know the devil, racist, um, you know, people that are misogynistic, whatever, when my feet hit the floor, I know they're mad. They got to be mad. I want them to stay mad. So, uh, you know, or change their, their viewpoints on a more serious note. I did, uh, like, I, I try to, I feel like I focus sometimes too much on the negative, but I did receive some positive messages about the, uh, the column. I received one from a woman, she told me she's 74, and she never reads the sports section, but she said the headline grabs her attention, and she, you know, totally, basically, thank you for speaking up. I, I hope that you're able to get through to some hard hearts. There's people that don't want to, um, you know, acknowledge this stuff, but she said by putting in this sports, you basically force them to listen. So, um, shout out to her. And, and also, I want to also point out that a lot of the uh, region athletes, whether it's volleyball, basketball, football, I have a lot of these kids on social media, and, um, you know, I don't always post about sports, though that's a lot of my, my job in my life. Um, usually I'm posting stuff with my mom or, um, you know, posting music or whatever, but when I posted this story, I got a lot of feedback more so than I ever have, um, you know, probably dating back to my last article about George Floyd, but a lot of kids, you know, black, white, you know, brown, reaching out to me saying, hey, this was a great article, thank you for sharing, I read this to my mom, or I shared this with my dad, or, you know, so I think the younger generation is really getting it, and um, I, I hope that we're able to push for more change because I just want to do something that matters, man. I feel like I, I care about sports a lot, but to me, the winning and the love, the losing don't matter. It's always the winner. It's always the loser. It's always the kids who are going to be great athletes, but are you a great person? Are you making the world a better place? Um, that, to me, means more, and it just leads me to, you know, doing something else with my life down the line, and so be it. But right now, I'm in this lane. Yes, I care about sports, but I also care about how sports affect other people and how we can use sports to you know, create a better society. Because you see so many times where you have – kids and players and coaches and people from all around the world come together for a common goal to win a game or win a championship. So why we can't we come together and win at life? So that's that's my message. Um, I know I'm preaching a lot today, but uh, I go to church, man. I, I'm a church kid, so I got it in me. Yeah, and it's it's needed, and it's something that these young people need to hear. And we just hope that they keep that same energy and just keep focused and keep fighting for not only civil rights, but keep fighting for their rights to survive and live in this world. So, James, I think that's a wonderful way to end this segment. You know, I know you got to get ready to go, and we got to get out of here. But we appreciate you, and thank you so much for being on, man. It's always great to hear you when you are you come on and you share your information. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. All right, brother. Well, listen, man, we got to talk to you later. I know you got to run, but you know what it is. You know what you're doing. You're listening to Boyd's Noise here on Iron Skillet Radio, Iron Skillet Television. This is the best pro talk, sports talk, juvie talk, prep talk. It's the best talk anywhere. You're listening to Boyd's Noise here on Iron Skillet Radio and Iron Skillet Television. Bring the noise! Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Iron Skillet Sports. And remember to like, share, and subscribe to Iron Skillet Sports on YouTube at Iron Skillet Sports. Look, man, I need a place to stay, Jay. Look, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Caught me off guard, you know. <laughs> Okay, let's try this again, my friend. I was about to say, if all your money's spent and you can't pay the rent, <laughs> then 
mean, you don't don't call, but if you got an extra change and you need a place to stay, you know, get right around the way. You know what I'm saying? Get on here, get on over here to Dot Thomas over here. Because right. right. I don't know the number, man. You got to say the number. I don't know the number. Need a place to stay? Call Diana Thomas at 219-230-3352. That's Diana Thomas, 219-230-3352. 20 years, man, in the business of written apartments. She must know what she's doing because she got me in mind. Y'all need to give her a call, baby. Hey, if y'all need a place to stay, she's the one to make it happen. That's 219-230-3352. CNA Auto Repair and Towing, 93 East Main Street, Chicago Heights, Illinois. Open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Call 708-758-2855. Complete auto and collision repair at CNA Auto. 